0: And we have already had 20 people go public with their decision to follow Jesus through baptism and i believe by god's grace there's going to be even more in this service today. We had over 30 people register online, but all day long god has been moving in people's hearts and they've been standing up and they've been getting in these waters and they've been being baptized as a profession of faith to Jesus and This is why redemption does what we do. It's the reason we serve. It's the reason for our small groups. It's the reason for First Wednesday. It's the reason we invite our friends and family. It's the reason that we planted this church. It's the reason that we tithe. Everything comes down to this one thing, seeing people make a decision to follow Jesus. It's all about life change through Jesus and we're going to get to witness that today. I'm super excited, but first I got to preach a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 36. If you're a guest with us, something you should know about us is at Redemption, we are an expository church. That means we just preach through books of the Bible here, and so we're in Acts chapter 8. This is week 25 or something like that, and we're in chapter 8, which means we got 20 more chapters to go. So we're going to be here for a while, not today. Um, We're going to finish the book uh, next week and the week after that. So don't worry, we're going to get you out of here on a decent time. But Uh, We're in Acts chapter 8 and we're going to learn about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip and then we're going to take a step back and we're going to have an overview about why baptism is so incredibly important to us here at Redemption. I'm going to just read a couple of verses and then we're going to dive in. Here's what it says in Acts chapter chapter 8 verse 36. And they were going along the road when they came upon some water. I bet you know what's going to happen next, right? is some baptism. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Today, I wanna talk to you about some common questions I get asked as a pastor around the subject of baptism. In a few weeks, Trevor is gonna do a deep dive through this text and he's gonna explain all of the nuances and point us to the gospel and the historical cultural context and all of that. And so I'm gonna let Trevor do that. But for me right now, I really wanna teach you about the significance of what we are going to witness today when it comes to the subject of baptism. One of the best illustrations I can think of about baptism is it's kind of like the wedding ring of the Christian faith. So this is my wedding ring. It was easier for me to take off 15 years ago, but um, uh, not so much anymore. Uh, Baptism is like the the wedding ring of the Christian faith. It reminds us of the decision we made. More than that, it reminds us of the vows that we took. It reminds us of the covenants that we've agreed upon as we entered into that relationship. And so whenever a person is baptized, it's like they've made a vow, and then there's the exchange of the rings. Those who are getting in the water today, they've made a vow to enter into a relationship, a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus, and then it is evidenced by their baptism. In the same way that a marriage is evidenced by The wedding ring. Now, some people would say, I don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. No, but you also don't need a wedding ring to be married. But if you don't wear one, I have to wonder why. I have to wonder, why. where's your loyalty? Where's your commitment? Where's your devotion? What are you up to whenever you go out of town, right? I have to wonder why you don't want to wear one. And that's what baptism symbolizes, showing the world that you're in love with Jesus. In the same way that a wedding ring shows the world Keep your hands away from my man, right? <laughs> because because it, is, it is showing the world the love that you have. And so that's what we're witnessing. But it's even more than that. It's even like this. Whenever life is hard and like marriage, sometimes marriage is hard. And you look down at the ring and you're reminded of the commitment that you've made. Sometimes you're not always in love, but you are always in covenant. And so you, you look down at it. In those moments of temptation, you look down at your ring and you're reminded of the covenant that you're in. That's what baptism is. And so for some today, it's going to be like a wedding, a celebration. We're going to cheer them on. And then others of you, you're going to watch, and it's going to remind you of the day that you were baptized and the love that you had and the joy that you had and the passion of the day you stood in those waters. And it's going to rekindle that first love that you had on the day that you were baptized as well. And so what I wanna do before we dive into the rest of the message is, I wanna answer some common questions or some objections that people have because there's always people who say, well, I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to be baptized. It's, you know, I'm the exception to the rule and, you know, I'm not gonna get baptized. And I wanna just lovingly press in and answer some of these objections to baptisms. Why a person wouldn't desire to be baptized? Well, the first thing is, Someone doesn't desire to be baptized because of ignorance. Like you don't know what you don't know. And so you're not gonna be getting baptized if you don't know you're supposed to. But now after today, you're gonna know (laughs) and we're gonna make a big deal out of it. And then you're gonna get baptized because you're gonna be held accountable for the knowledge that you have. And up until this point, you had no knowledge, but now you do. And so now there's a, a way in which you are to obey. And so ignorance no longer is going to be an option for you. The second thing is fear. People are worried. Oh, no, what are people going to think about me? They're going to think I follow Jesus. That's the point. Woo! You're like, what if, people, what, it's going to, what if people judge me or think negatively about me? Or what if I, it affects my reputation or, or relationships that I have? Listen, no one is more important than the someone who died for you. Jesus says it like this. If you deny me before men, then I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Do not let fear prevent you from living a life of faith. And so get in the water and be baptized today as a public declaration of your love for Jesus. Number, number three is apathy. Oh, I'll get around to it when I do. I'm not ready yet. And it's not really that big of a deal. And man, I'd rather wait until, until, until like all my family can be here. And I'd rather wait. And listen, do not start your life with Jesus being lukewarm. Yeah. Apathy is against a move of the Holy Spirit in your life, right? Don't begin the Christian life with apathy and lukewarm following Jesus. Like we ain't about no easy believerism in this room, right? We wanna make sure that the faith that we profess is actually a faith that we not only possess, but that we practice. And so if you start your Christian life being lukewarm, God help you when real hardship comes your way because you ain't gonna be ready because you've been delaying obedience for the last five years. So don't let apathy sink in at the beginning of your walk with Christ. Number four, entitlement. Somebody say, well, well, I don't need to be baptized. I know that there's 30 other people who are getting baptized today. And I know that the Ethiopian eunuch 2,000 years ago was baptized and everyone in Christianity has been baptized, but it's not for me. I don't really need to be baptized. Listen, I don't care what your mama told you, you ain't special. Because if it's true for the Ethiopian eunuch, it's true for you. If it's true for our brothers in China and in Africa and in Mexico and it's in all of our brothers in the room today, then it's also true for you because God is not a respecter of persons. And if he expects Christians to be baptized and you expect to be a Christian, then you are to be baptized as well. You're not entitled in the kingdom. In this water, we're all equal. All right. And then lastly, number five is unbelief. Like when a person really just says, I don't want to be baptized, I don't want to be baptized, I have to wonder if that person's truly saved in the first place. Because Jesus says like this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? If Jesus says we are to be baptized and you're telling him no, from the beginning of your walk with Christ, at best you're disobedient, at worst you're unregenerated. Wow. It's true. Because you're not wanting to do the simplest of things that Christ has asked you to do by by being baptized. And so I have to wonder if you're actually genuinely have saving faith in the first place. Here's what Jesus tells us, the last words of Jesus' life, the very last words he ever said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's called the great commission, not the great suggestion, not the great option, Not the great suggestion, the great commission, which there is a command that is attached to it. And listen, here at Redemption, we're not just here to make decisions, we're here to make disciples. That's the problem with American Christianity and this easy believerism that many of you have bought into is bow your head, pray a prayer, say this, walk this aisle, repeat after me. Oh, good, you're going to Jesus, you're going to heaven. But there is no accountability, there is no ownership of your faith and so you're missing out on much of what the kingdom has to offer for you. Yeah. Like we're not here just to make decisions. Yes, every week we give you the opportunity to pray and to give your life to Jesus, to come to the front and our prayer team's gonna pray over you. We follow up with you through the week, but that's great. And every week we get people who slip their hands up, but the number we count is not how many hands are raised, but how many locks go on that wall. Cause that's the number because the day you get in these waters is the day you tell the world that you're with Jesus. That's where discipleship starts. And so we're not just making decisions to make ourselves feel good. We're making disciples to fulfill the Great Commission. That's the goal of the church. And so if you're here and you have not yet been baptized or you're here and you register to be baptized, we're going to dismiss you in just one moment for you to take your stand with the Christians for thousands of years, along with the Ethiopian eunuch and all those in there who have been baptized And we're gonna invite you to take your place in the family of God by stepping in these baptism waters. But I do know that there are people here in the room who are not yet baptized and the Holy Spirit's leading on you right now. You didn't register and you're like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to be baptized. Well, we got shirts, we got shorts, towels, we got water. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch. What is preventing me from being baptized today? The answer is, is nothing. So I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to be baptized today. If you're being baptized today, if you've registered or not, and you want to make that decision, that public declaration of following Christ, would you please stand with me? One, two, three. Let's go ahead and stand up. Everybody who's getting baptized in the room, look around the room right now. Look around the room. Look around the room. Anybody want to join them? You guys are dismissed. Go ahead and get changed. Let's give it up one more time. Anybody want to join them? Jump on in. Jump on in. Come on. Well, with the remainder of our time today, I want to answer some common questions around the subject of baptism. The the first question is this, is baptism necessary for salvation? Must I be baptized in order to be saved? My answer for you is no, baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Here's what the book of Ephesians says. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. So we're not saved by our works, we're saved by God's grace. But the very next verse says that God has created good works for us to do in Christ Jesus. And so we show our salvation through our works but we're not saved by our works, we're saved by God's grace. So put it all together is this, is that baptism is not a requirement for salvation, it is evidence of salvation. Jesus tells us that because we love him, we obey him. We don't obey, so that way we love, we, o- lo- we obey because we have been loved. And so you're not required and some people say, well, I'm not required to be baptized, so therefore I'm not gonna be baptized. Do not think that you're just gonna to get to heaven by the skin of your teeth and do the bare minimum to follow after Jesus. And so why would you wanna start your Christian life on the wrong foot? If it's gonna be a journey of following Jesus, you wanna start off on the right foot with the right step heading in the right direction baptism follows after belief here's what we read in acts chapter 238 and peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the lord jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit here's what we notice is that belief precedes baptism or baptism always follows belief that we believe first and then it is evidenced by our baptism it is the first step when it comes to following after Jesus I've been reading through the book of Acts getting ready for this and here's what Peter says on Pentecost every single one of you y'all need to repent and be baptized and 3,000 people were added baptized to the church that day 22 times in the book of Acts baptism is mentioned and every single time the moment a person believes immediately following they were baptized There was no delay, there was no waiting, there was no six months or ceremony. They believed and then boom, they were in that water getting baptized. And I believe there is is this, it's because delayed obedience is disobedience and the longer we allow you to be disobedient, the harder it's gonna be for you to hear the voice of the spirit leading you throughout the rest of your Christian life. Because you have started your journey of faith in disobedience and now until you take that next step, it's gonna be hard for God to continue to lead you. And so baptism follows your belief, but at the same time, it is necessary as we live out our Christian life. So am I required to be baptized in order to be a Christian? The answer is no, but you don't need a parachute to jump out of an airplane, but it sure does help, right? (laughs) And so baptism follows after belief. It is the evidence of your salvation. The, The second question is this, is what is the meaning of Baptism, Romans eight, Romans 6.3, one of the clearest indicators of baptism in the Bible, it says this, do you not know? That's the first thing, some of the people are ignorant, they don't know, and so Paul's gonna tell them because ignorance is not a reason for you to not be baptized. Here's what he says, do you not know that all of us, how many of us? All, all. right, do you know what that word is in the Greek? All, all. <laughs> not almost, not some, not most, All, that's including you. All, every Christian has stepped in the baptism's waters. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, We're baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him into the baptism of death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So let me show you what baptism is because some people might be wondering like, why water? Why under the water? Like why any of this? Let me say, first of all, Baptism is by submersion. The word baptize is baptizo in the Greek and it literally means to sink, to immerse or to plunge. So the word would be used for ships. Like when a ship sank in the ocean, they said that ship was baptized. So it's not sprinkling. It's not not sprinkling or dripping or pouring or like our Methodist friends, they shoot them with a water gun. I'm just kidding, that's not true. Um, What it is is, is, is it's a full-on submersion. So baptism is to be underwater submersion. That's how the Bible portrays it. Even then, the Ethiopian eunuch, when he's baptized, what do we see? It says they went down into the water. Like, so it's under, in the water, submersion. And here's what it symbolizes. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Here, here's what he says. that There's the death, your old life is buried in that watery grave, and then you've been resurrected into a new life. The old is gone and the new is come. Your sins are washed away and you've been raised into a newness of life. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Mind blown. Some of y'all probably didn't understand that, right? It's identifying that Christ's death is my death and now Jesus' life is now my life. Here's how we would say it. It's an outward sign of an inward change. It's showing the world on the outside what God has done on the inside. It is an external display of the inward change that we have experienced. The old is dead and buried in that grave, and we have been raised into a newness of life. Now, here's where this is so important, and I want to be clear, because to be clear is to be kind. And I have seen so many people get into the baptism waters thinking, in the moment that it's a superstitious thing, or maybe it's a, 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 a good luck charm, or maybe if they do this, then then God will be pleased with them, or it would offer some sort of protection over their life. Can I just tell you that is a false doctrine? It is a misunderstanding of what baptism is. Straight up, here's what baptism is: it is a clean break. I told you at the beginning, it's like a wedding. But it's also kind of like a funeral. It's a funeral in saying the old self is dead, gone, and buried. And the new life is beginning in Jesus. So what does that mean for us practically? I want you to know what you're getting into when you get into these waters. As you step into these waters, what you're saying is you are repenting of your sins. What is repentance? It's a turning away that your life was heading towards death, destruction, hell, Jesus saves you. It means an about face to where now your back is to sin and your face is to Jesus. You're following Jesus. You're trusting in Jesus. You're living for Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. That's repentance. The first is an act of repentance. Here's what it means. If you are living in habitual sin, you stop. That's what it means. It means that some of us, we have relationships we're entangled in that are no good for you. And the moment you get out of this water, they're going to drag you right back to the hell you come from. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the commanding of fools suffers harm. Sometimes it means that your relationships with your old friends will, will end. Sometimes it means that if you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you ain't married, it means you break the lease, you break up, or you get with a marriage mentor in your small group and you figure out, how do we get married? Because you're living in sin. It means that if you are practicing homosexuality, you're gonna learn to submit your, your sexuality and gender under the lordship of Jesus. We have people in our church who are living celibate lives because Jesus is more important to them than their sexuality. It means if you're running around on your wife, you're gonna repent and you're gonna get in some counseling. Like you're not gonna get in these waters and keep living your own life. That's not the point. It means dead and buried, gone. If you're living a life of syncretism with new age practices and the witchcraft and the cult and the tarot cards, or you're believing that all religions teach the same thing and woke progressive ideologies that are antithetical to the teachings of scripture, You repent of your worldly thinking and you get under some biblical counseling and you learn how to apply God's word to your life from this moment moving forward. That's what it means. It means the old is gone and the new has come. I want you to be very clear about what you're getting yourself into in this moment. Because so many people get into this water and then they think they can continue to live their old lives. Jesus is gonna change you. Now that doesn't mean we have to clean up to come to Jesus, but it does mean that as we come to Jesus, Jesus will clean us up. The old is gone and the new has come. The dead is buried and you've been raised to a newness of life. What is this new life? You get a new power, you get a new identity, you get a new destiny, you get a new hope, you get a new faith, you get a new love, you get a new community, you get a new destiny, you get a new eternity. So God has so much more for you that's new than the world ever had for you when it was old. I'm gonna lean into this for a moment because I've been doing studying this week around the subject of baptism. And in the early church, there's a book known as the Didache. It's basically the the handbook or the church manual for the church fathers. And what's fascinating is that when a person was baptized, they were called to a fast. And then immediately after the fast, they met with the elders and the, 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 the prayer team and they cast demons out of them. That was a part of it. You know why? Because there was so much worldly junk that was on people and that they had been rescued and delivered from. They needed inner healing to break those chains that held them down. And so here, here, the, the part of the baptism was actually a renunciation of Satan. That people didn't only repent of their sins, they renounced the devil and his works. Listen, this is from Tertullian in the second century AD. He writes this, he's an early church patristic and he says, when we are going to enter into the water, but a little bit before in the presence of the congregation and under the hand of the bishop, we solemnly profess that we disown the devil, his pop, and his angels. Then the presbyter, that would be the pastor, taking hold of each of those who's about to be baptized, shall that command them to say, I renounce thee, Satan, and thy servants and all of thy works. Wow. To be baptized is more than just repenting, it's also renouncing. It's repenting of your sin, but it's renouncing of the continued participation in the very thing Jesus died for. And so when you get in these waters to be baptized, yes, on one hand, you're repenting of your sins, but on the other hand, you're renouncing the works of the devil and all of his demons and thy effects. Are you prepared to be baptized? Do you know what you're getting yourself into when you get into these waters? Because a lot of people don't. They get in the waters, they're baptized, and then three months later, they're back to live in their old life. And that's not what we're about here. And so I want to make sure that for those who do get in this tank, I want you to be aware of the decisions that you're making. Just like the old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me, though none go with me, Will you still follow? Will you still follow after Jesus? For us here in America, that means something different than it means for our brothers in North Korea and our sisters in Iraq and Afghanistan. For us, we think baptism is you take your picture, we post it on Instagram, you get 100 likes and you feel good about yourself. For our brothers and sisters in the underground church, like the missionary we had last week, who talked about those that those families that he was baptizing, the Islam, the Muslim, the Muslim families baptizing in the mud, with their pluralistic marriages and husbands and wives were separating and getting divorced because the move of God was sweeping through the villages they're rolling in mud making a clear declaration that before God and everybody I'm following Jesus my family will disown me my marriages are over I have the possibility of death or execution or a public disgrace upon me but I know what God has done in my life and the world behind me the cross before me ain't no going back The old is gone, the new has come. You have been dead and you have been resurrected into a newness of life. Do you get it? It's more than just a symbol. It is something so much more significant than that. It's a declaration of Jesus' lordship, that he's your king and that you're gonna follow after him. The third thing is this, is what do I need to do in order to be baptized? Okay, pastor, if, if that's what I'm getting into, then, then, then what do I have to do? It sounds like there's a, a heavy, like a heavy shoulder on that. What do I need to do in order to be baptized? You do what the Ethiopian eunuch did. Nothing. The only step you need to do in order to be baptized is repent. That's it. Like in other religions, there's, there's like follow these steps and these ways and, you know, you know uh, reincarnate, pay off your karmic debt, follow these commands and these Vedas, and if you do this and that, then eventually one day, maybe you'll be saved. Here's what Christianity says, one step, Woo! repent. Yay! That's it, and you're in. That's it. It's better news than you're giving it credit for right now. Because it's not through your works that you're saved. It's through Christ's finished work on the cross. And so the only thing you need to do in order to be baptized is to repent, believe. And then here's some water. What's stopping you from being baptized? Listen, many people, they think, I gotta take a class or a seminar, or I need to go, this is my favorite one. I need to go home and get my, my life right. I need to get my life together first. Listen. Like you don't clean up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus as you are and Jesus is the one who cleans you up. Jesus will love you the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. He will change who you are because that's just who he is. And so you don't have to do anything in order to be baptized. We'll figure the rest out on the back end. Here's how we would say it is that baptism is the starting line. It is not the finish line. It's the beginning of a life with Jesus. It is the first step in following after Jesus. It's not the end all, be all. It's just the beginning. Just like my wedding day, the day I got married was a great day. But the most important day of my marriage is today. It's the way I love my wife today. It's the way I serve my family today. It's the the way in which I live out my covenant relationship today is the most important day of my marriage. And the last day is the day that counts. It's not how it begins, but it's how we live every day after that moment. It's just the starting line. And so for those of you who are struggling with addictions, guess what? Hey, we're going to help you break those addictions in Jesus' name. For those of you who are struggling with greed or gluttony or alcoholism or drug addiction, man, we got we got a, a prayer team that's going to pray for you. We got resources in the community to get you the help and the accountability that you need. We got small groups that are going to walk with you. For those of you who are divorced and your marriage is completely falling apart and you need some grief share, some counseling, we got teams that do that for you. For those of you who have been cheating and running around on each other, I've seen marriages totally reconciled, restored back into loving relationship with God down in these altars and husband and wife baptize one another. That's what our God does. We'll walk with you through that. You don't have to have it all together. The church is here to help you, walk with you, share with you. Be with you throughout the entire process. You're not gonna do it alone. But my, my challenge for all of us is we need to take that step of obedience into following after Jesus. Which leads to the fourth thing. If I was already baptized, should I be re-baptized? I get this question all the time. Sometimes people come to me, and they say, every baptism Sunday, there's like a handful of people that are like, oh, I don't need to be baptized today because I was already baptized. I say, well, tell me a little bit about that. They say, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. Maybe they were baptized um, Catholic or Episcopalian, Presbyterian, whatever it may be. And I, I always understand where they're coming from. I, I really do. And as lovingly as I, I can, I inform them that they don't need to be rebaptized. And they're like, oh, thank God. I said, it's because you were never baptized in the first place. Infant baptism is not found in the Bible. The pattern we see repeated throughout the scripture is this. Baptism follows a profession of faith. And infants cannot profess faith, nor can they repent. Therefore, baptism is not valid. Infant baptism was created by the the Catholic Church in the two to 300s. As a way, because of the infant mortality rate at the time, they wanted to wash away the original sin. But we don't have to create new doctrines to be able to explain what the Bible clearly states as teachings. And so what I would say in that moment, you had very well-meaning, loving parents or grandparents. You were raised in a tradition. But we cannot allow tradition to trump scripture. And so we submit under the scripture. We do not submit under tradition. Scripture is the ultimate rule and authority in our life. And according to the scripture, baptism always follows belief. Therefore, I would tell you, you do not need to be rebaptized because you were not actually baptized in the first place. And so I would challenge you to do what the Bible says, repent and believe and be baptized. Or What if you were like me when you were six years old, you were in first grade and everybody signed up for baptisms and so you got in the line and you were baptized at your church. That's what my church did. My church, I guess because they weren't baptizing any adults, they needed to get their numbers up and so they said, we're gonna baptize all the kids in kids' church. And I was at the age of accountability when I was in first grade and so I lined up with all my friends and we were all just baptized because that's just what you did when you went to first grade in our church. And then as I grew up, I walked away from the church. I walked away from the Lord. I, I, I became... And it's evident that I was not a true Christian because the moment that I had the opportunity to rebel, that's exactly what my heart did. I ran from God, drugs, alcohol, sex, promiscuity, demonic activity. I mean, I was militant against the church. I would regularly criticize, make fun of people, arrested, thrown into jail. I mean, I remember some of the heinous things that I have done when I was running away from the Lord and how just demonic some of my activities were towards cursing the church, the Lord and Jesus. I was not a Christian, regardless if I was baptized when I six. So the moment that I gave my life to Jesus, me and my wife both, we were baptized That's a profession of faith because I didn't have genuine saving faith. What I had was my grandparents' belief, but now my belief was my own. Now my faith was my own. I didn't want to live on borrowed faith. I wanted to proclaim to the world that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I took accountability for my own relationship with God. And some of you, that's where you're at in your walk with Jesus. You were baptized when you're six, but you ain't been living for God. You know that you ain't been living for God. And so I would say, in that case, yes, you need to be rebaptized. And then others, you know, you're like, do I need to be rebaptized? I was baptized last baptism. Do I need to do it again? Because I've sinned since then. Listen, no, you don't need to be rebaptized. You say, but I have walked away from the Lord and, and, and I'm back in church and I, I I'm really doing, I, I, I feel so far from God though. There's this pull towards me in order to be baptized. Pastor, what do I do with that? Here's what the Bible would say in Acts chapter 19. And Paul said, John baptized you with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. So that's their first baptism. Jesus, on, hear, uh, uh, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, let me explain. Were they rebaptized? Yes. Their first baptism was invalid. So they were rebaptized into a believer's baptism. But then, following that baptism, there's another baptism to come, and that is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to be rebaptized. Some of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what you're missing. That's what you're missing. Like like you're like my first step was baptism. That's great. What comes after that? Being baptized with the Holy Spirit there is a second spirit baptism. And that longing you have, pastor, I wanna get back to that first love. I want the passion of when I first believed, like I'm so hungry or desperate, what's my next step? Like I feel far from God, I feel empty, I feel desperate. Pastor, do I need to get baptized in water? No, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the next step for you, to pray and say, God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Put a fresh touch and anointing on my life. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's your step. You don't need to get back in the water. You need to get in those altars and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not everybody needs to get baptized, but everybody does need to constantly, continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Which leads us to the fifth and to the final point. Is what do I do after I get baptized? Baptism is the starting line, not the finish line. It is the first step in a new life with Jesus Christ. So, what comes after baptism? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 says, For one spirit we have all, how many people? There's that word again. So annoying when the Bible tells me I'm wrong, right? We've all been baptized. It's a one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves are free and all were made to drink of one spirit. Very clear the Bible says what follows baptism is church membership. That's right. Baptized into the body. Believers are to be members of a local church. Baptism follows belief and membership is available after baptism. I'm telling you guys the world we live in you're going to need other people if you want to follow Jesus. You cannot do this Christianity thing by yourself. There is no such thing as a DIY disciple. There ain't no DIY do it yourself Christianity. You're going to need some other people to walk with you, to help you, to love you, to care for you, to pray with you, and sometimes to kick you in the rear because you're being dumb. And no, that's not church hurt. That's called accountability. The reality is, guys, is discipleship happens in relationship. We're not called to make decisions, but disciples. How do we make disciples? By being involved in each other's lives. We say it like this, life change does not happen in the lobby. It happens in the living room. It happens when we're doing life together. Like if Christianity for you is nothing more than 90 minutes on a Sunday, you are missing out on the fullness of the Christian experience. You're only getting a taste of what God has ordained for your life. Right? I mean, if if Sunday is the only time you get to hear from God's word and be with God's people and you're spiritually sick, you have to wonder, why am I spiritually not growing? Oh, here's the reason you're malnourished because you're only eating once a week. Like if you're trying to get some gains and you're not eating properly, what's gonna happen? You're not gonna grow. And you're wondering why you're not growing spiritually. It's because spiritually you're starving yourself because the only time you eat is on Sunday mornings. If you wanna be... If you want to know what comes after baptism, here's what it comes. It comes you being involved in the local church. That's not just my words. Like, pastor, you're just trying to get me to. In. No, listen, I'm just, I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. For we're all baptized into the body. We're baptized in water. We're baptized in the spirit. And we're baptized in the body of Christ. And so the Bible says after baptism comes the body. For you and getting involved in what God is, is doing here. So how do we do that? Listen, I'll say, the people who do eventually, that we baptize and they don't stick and they go back to their old lives or they, 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 you know, they, they stop following Jesus, here's, here's the number one reason why, because they did not have discipleship or relationship within the local church. The devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Listen, for some of y'all, you need to know this about these people getting baptized next. Immediately following Jesus' baptism, what happened? He went into the wilderness where the devil showed up. For some of you, you're like, "After I got baptized, my life got difficult. Yeah, you know why? Because the devil was ticked off. Spiritual warfare comes before and after your baptism. Some of y'all the spiritual warfare you've been going through, getting you to this moment, this day, because Satan's been doing everything he can to prevent you from getting baptized. But you better believe that him and all of his little minions are gonna do everything they can to get you knocked off course. Jesus had to go to the wilderness to overcome the temptations and those demonic attacks are gonna come against you. But don't worry, because in two weeks, I'm preaching a sermon on spiritual warfare. So there you go. So make sure you're involved in the body of Christ. So how do we do that? Number five things. First thing is this, being on a serve team. Serve team is your, 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 your best way to build relationships and to be involved. The second thing is a small group. In small groups, that's where you get real relationship, life on life. Man, you get to walk through the word, share meals and pray with one another. You get down into the nitty gritty of everybody's lives and it is so healing. Third thing is church membership. Come to Next Steps on the first Sunday of every month. Learn more about the church, but we open membership twice a year. Don't just be an attender, be a member. Don't just be a consumer of religious goods and services. Be a contributor to what God is doing. Number three, First Wednesdays. Here's what I say all the time. If you have not been to First Wednesday, I don't care how many Sundays you've been to, you ain't been to redemption. We say, if you can only make it to one service, make it First Wednesday. Listen, I would rather, kid you not, listen, you're probably not going to hear a pastor say this. I would rather, if you had to choose between coming to church on Sunday or going to First Wednesday, I would rather you go to First Wednesday than a Sunday morning. Say, well, why is that? Because First Wednesday is where the presence of God moves in freedom. First Wednesday is where people are filled with the Holy Spirit. First Wednesday is the fuel for the engine of what God does here on a Sunday morning. Without First Wednesday, there ain't no Sunday. Redemption. And at that first Wednesday, you're going to be filled with the power of God. It's going to, that baptism water is going to run dry, but the oil of the Lord will never cease from pouring out on you at that first Wednesday prayer meeting. Be at first Wednesday. Number five is evangelism. Here's what we say all the time everyone gets one. 95% of Christians have yet to lead one person to Jesus in their life, but not here at redemption because we ain't average. This is a supernatural faith community. We're more than average. God has called us to be above average, to be extraordinary. And so at Redemption, every year I challenge, everyone gets one. Everyone is challenged to reach one person with the message of Jesus every year, which is probably why we baptized almost 400 people since we started. Everyone gets one. And what you're watching today is someone's one getting in these waters. Somebody has invited them, prayed for them, loved them, cared for them, asked hard questions. Somebody has been there for them. And now they're getting in that water. And the moment you get out of this water, guess what? It's your turn to go get you one too. Disciples make disciples. It's been that way from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Philip got the eunuch, Are you going to get? Who's your one?